It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. My father, Vernon Winfrey, graduated from Hasla Barber College in 1963. After working a year and a half as an apprentice, he opened his own barbershop in Nashville, where he's been a local fixture for the past 53 years. Before entering the barber college, he served in the Army and held several other jobs, including as a janitor at Vanderbilt University. Both my mother, Vernita, and grandmother, Hattie Mae, were housekeepers. I was raised knowing the value of a hard day's work. And from an early age, I've always known I was responsible for myself. Where I came from, there was no backup plan or safety net. For better or worse, you made your own way. My first job was at 15 as a babysitter, making 50 cents an hour. The children were a handful, and the lady of the house always made sure to leave a big pile of clothes in her bedroom for me to clean up. Like clockwork, just before she left, she would turn to me and ask if I would mind tidying things up. When she came home and neglected to give me anything extra for cleaning, I understood very well that this woman didn't value my efforts. But I did. I valued my work and myself. And I decided that no matter how much or how little money I made, I would never let that define my worth. That babysitting job taught me my first valuable lesson about money. I am not my salary. I gave up babysitting and moved on to stocking shelves in a local store for $1.50 an hour. The pay was better, but I was not allowed to speak to the customers. As I mentioned in Chapter 4, I was known as a talking child, so this was clearly not a good fit. I knew having a job where I had to stay silent was no way to earn a paycheck. It felt like a betrayal of myself, and even at 15, I was not willing to do that. The experience turned out to be another life lesson. Sometimes knowing what you don't want is as valuable as knowing what you do. Eventually, I moved on to work for my father in his corner grocery store connected to the barbershop. I worked behind the counter selling penny candy. He didn't pay me, but I was allowed to talk. You could even say that the camaraderie in the barbershop and store explains why, years later, it felt so natural to be among the Oprah Show audience listening to stories. 
I was still in high school when I was offered a job as a newsreader at the local radio station. They paid me $100 a week. That was a lot of money for a 17-year-old. But I would have done it for free. It felt like the perfect fit. Lesson number three, know the joy of doing what you love and never stop pursuing it. All these years later, I'm still keenly aware that I am not my salary. I give thanks every day for having the opportunity not only to make a living, but to create what I see as an exquisite life. And I know that everyone needs a source of income in order to survive, but I've come to believe that one of the reasons I've enjoyed financial success is because my focus has never been on money. As you experience these words of wisdom, my hope is that you will begin to develop a new measure for true success. For me, the great reward is the feeling of lasting contentment and self-respect that comes when you're living out the truth of who you are. One of the most memorable examples of the dangers of allowing material achievement to dictate self-worth is the story of author Sarah Bonbronick. I've said for years that Sarah's best-selling book, Simple Abundance, is the reason I started keeping a gratitude journal. It changed the way I moved through the world. Simple Abundance sold 7 million copies. And before she knew it, Sarah was a multimillionaire. As a bona fide publishing superstar, she hired nine assistants, brought home eight pairs of Manola Blahnik shoes in one trip, and bought the actual chapel once owned by Sir Isaac Newton. But 15 years later, Sarah joined me for a moving conversation in which she courageously shared the story of how she lost it all and what she eventually gained in return. What I learned from Sarah and so many others is that the way people handle money reflects the way they see themselves. Many times when people win the lottery and experience a windfall, they don't see themselves as worthy of their newfound riches. They wind up spending on possessions to create an idea of self-worth. When you've become blinded by the status symbols, it's easy to lose sight of the unique gifts only you can offer the world. What I know for sure is that no matter how much wealth you come to possess, everything passes and changes with time. What is real, what is forever, is who you are and what you're meant to share with the world. That is your true treasure. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. 
Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Beginning with Pico Iyer. I saw the fire slowly pick apart my house and systematically reduce everything to ash. And so the morning after the fire, and the only thing I had in the world was a toothbrush, which I just bought from an all-night supermarket after the fire. But when it came to replacing the things that we had lost, of course, I realized there wasn't that much I really needed. It was a lesson in what we really need to survive and what we don't. All the most important things, memories, photographs, they were gone. Couldn't hold on to those. All the things that I needed for a day-to-day life weren't much more enormous than a toothbrush and a few clothes and Mm -hmm. uh, certain necessities. I never hanker for more material goods than I have or for the life that I used to have. I think luxury is a matter not of all the things you have, but all the things you can afford to do without. Next up, Cicely Tyson. When I read a script, either my skin tingles or my stomach churns. It's that simple. If my skin tingles, I know it's something that I must do. If my stomach churns, I know it is something that I cannot do. I have learned from every single character that I've played something, something emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically true. I've never done a job just for money. I could not do anything that would not enhance humanity, especially women. I have something that exists in my solar plexus that when it's not right and hits me there, I'm walking away. I had been offered the role of Christy Love in a television series. I did not like the way it was projecting black woman. That was one of the roles that I could not do. It's so easy when the money is flashed before you to allow that to govern your choices. I've never really worked for money. It's so important for me to have peace of mind, body, and soul than to have all the riches. When I put my head on my pillow at night, I don't require a drug alcohol, or anything else. Just fatigue. That was great. Now, let's hear from Michael Beckwith. This fascinates me, this conversation. Because there have been times, I know in everybody else's experiences, where you think about something, or you think about a person, and that person calls you. Right. Then there are other times where that doesn't happen. I remember one day, I manifested tomato soup. (laughs) I was on my farm, and up comes my neighbor, with, I, I couldn't even believe it. So I was like, how did I do that? How did I do that? I want to be able to do that again. Right. But it's a space where I wanted it, but if it didn't come, I would also be okay. That's There's, it. That's, yeah. that's called the let go. Yeah, is that, that's what it is. You know how people do wishing wells? They throw a coin and they forget about it, yeah. and then the thing shows up? Because they had an intention, then they let it go. They wouldn't even think about it anymore. Right. And once you release your grasp, then you give up your resistance, and then that which is uh-huh. for you that's will come to you. That's the aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. 
because when you want it, want it, want it, want it, want it, want it, it doesn't show up. Yeah, the, your message to the universe at that moment is, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, which is translating into, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it. So you can't receive it. So you can't receive it. So you end up blocking your own blessing. Totally. In that way. Next, Lynn Twist. I've learned a great deal from the people I used to call poor and the people I used to call rich. And now I just realize we're all whole and complete people living in the ebb and flow of financial circumstances that change all the time that do not define us. But we give the word money so much power. Oh you God. say this in the soul of money. We, we just give it. And I thought it was interesting how you talk about how we question everything else. We question, you know, race, religion other life circumstances, but money, we just give it the power. We just give it so much power. It's not that we have it, it has us. Yeah. And we've assigned it more power than human life, more power than the natural world, more power than our relationships with each other. We have. More power than God, actually. Yes. And, you know, we all know that's not true, but we live as if money is more important than anything else. And it cripples us. It gives us tremendous anxiety and suffering. When we're dealing on the plain field of money, somehow we drop all of this wonderful sense of value and worth and love and relationship that we have in the rest of life. Right. And we become, you know, kind of irritable and grumpy and competitive and greedy. And it's like there's different rules or something, like we're in a different playing field. Yeah. People are really wounded, actually, in their relationship with money. And not just some people, I think everybody. There is so much suffering in this world in people's relationship with money. And there's anxieties, there's hurt, there's lying, there's things that they wish they had never done, there's things that they did do that they feel bad about, things they didn't do that they wish they had done. You know, everybody has baggage, upsets, anxiety, suffering in their relationship Because with of the money. silent power of money. That's silent power of money. It's like we think about what are the unanswered questions in life. Well, mm -hmm. I say, what about the unquestioned answer that money is? It's an unquestioned answer for everything rather than the unanswered question. It's an unquestioned answer. And we just think it will resolve everything. And everybody thinks, well, if I just had 30% more, everything would be fine. Right. But you think 30% of go, and it wasn't fine. So, you yes. know, 30% more doesn't really do it because when you get there, you want 30% more. We're just completely addicted to a society that values money above all else. And it's hurtful, it wounds us, it hurts us. And the other thing is, I think the suffering around money is in the money culture and then we personalize it and make it our fault. Mm -hmm. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Isn't this because we, as you say, we swim in the culture of what there isn't enough of yeah. all the time? Yeah. But there are people, as you know, as you're fundraising, raising money for people in the world who are living on $2 a day or $3 a day or a dollar a day, there are people who actually don't have enough of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I, I'm very intimately uh, familiar with that. I've worked yes. on hunger and poverty. I. I've held dying babies in my arms in Bangladesh after a flood, in, in Ethiopia after the famine. So I know that people don't have enough. 
I'm actually not talking about that when I talk about the not enough or mm. scarcity mm -hmm. myth. I'm talking about a mindset that's part of the money culture because the money culture fosters a way of thinking that demeans human life, yes. exalts money, possession, stuff, consumerism, you know, things, mm -hmm. and makes all of us feel like we're living in a deficit relationship with ourselves, that we have to have more of this or accumulate more of that in order to even be okay. And that is something that haunts everybody, including people who are immensely wealthy, actually. Yeah. So you say, in order to break that scarcity myth, there's not enough, we need to live in the place of sufficiency. Yes. Yeah. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, what I mean by sufficiency is a place of wholeness and completeness and deep understanding of who we are. And it's almost impossible to get to enoughness or sufficiency in a world that exalts scarcity, the myth of scarcity. I call it the myth of scarcity. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a mindset that an unconscious, unexamined set of assumptions that come before thinking, if I can put it that way, like a lens that we look through that has everything look like it's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough love. There's not enough vacations. There's not enough sex. There's not enough good men over 40, or that might be true. <laughs> um, there's not enough this. There's not enough that. And almost everybody goes through their day waking up in the morning, I didn't get enough sleep. First thought most people have. Then looking at the clock, I don't have enough time. Then there's not enough of this, there's, I don't have enough to wear. And every meeting, every conversation, every lunch, every dinner, every everything is about what we don't have enough of. It's the siren song of a consumer culture. But it's not just about money, it dribbles over into every Everything. aspect of life. Yes, yes. And this, what I call toxic myth of scarcity, a condition of thinking that is so toxic to our humanity that we swim in it all the time and we actually start to have a deficit relationship with ourselves. It's not just there's not enough, it's not enough, we're not enough, it's I'm not enough. Mm. And that deficit relationship with ourselves is the source of so much of our suffering. And it comes, I think, from this unconscious, unexamined mindset I call scarcity, which is made up these myths, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not enough. There's not enough to go around and someone somewhere is always going to be left out, for example. That's like an unconscious, unexamined way of thinking about life. And that, if you believe that and buy into that, then that's exactly what you will create. Exactly. And it gives people permission, actually, to accumulate way more than they need out of the fear that they're not going to have enough. Mm. So even massive accumulation often comes from the fear I'm not going to have enough for me and mine, whoever I consider mine to be. This there's not enough mythology has us scrambling for more all the time, chasing what we don't have, paying no attention to what we do have. Sarah Bunbronick. I was number one for almost a year. Wow. Yeah. And it was on there for like 119 weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. But what I wanted to share with you, and I've never shared because you don't get much sympathy for this, the Wednesday that there was no call. Mm -hmm. So, oh, that's sort of strange. We haven't heard from the <laughs> New York Times today. <laughs> we haven't heard. They haven't, yeah. they haven't called. And so I called my agent. I said, I haven't heard anything. She said, well, you're not on the list this week. How was that 
that. I cried. How was that after 119 weeks? I cried. And I thought, thought, no one in the world will understand what this feels like. The only trouble with being number one is eventually you have to be number two, three, and four. Because life moves on. It does. It does. But hadn't you prepared yourself or had you prepared yourself? One day you have to say, well, what's going to happen when that call doesn't come? But I didn't. You never did. No. That's one of the lessons I wish I had realized. Mm. I wish I had learned that life is cyclical. Mm. Success goes in cycles. But this is the thing. This is the thing. (laughs) I'm going to let you talk in a minute. This is the thing, Sarah. This is the thing. You weren't looking for a hit then. Yeah. You weren't looking for a hit. You were looking for a way to speak to the hearts of women. Mm -hmm. That's what you were looking to do. Mm -hmm. Am am I correct? The only woman whose life I was trying to change when I was writing Simple Abundance was my own. And then the miracle was that it was just touching other women's lives. Jack Canfield. I think the greatest wound we've all experienced is somehow being rejected for being our authentic self. Mm. And that as a result of that, we then try to be what we're not to get approval, love, protection, safety, Mm -hmm. money, whatever. And the real need for all of us is to reconnect with the essence of who we really are Mm -hmm. and re-own all the disowned parts of ourselves, whether it's Mm -hmm. our emotions, whether it's our spirituality. Mm -hmm. We all go around hiding parts of ourselves. And I was with a Buddhist teacher a number of years ago. We were co-leading a seminar. And he said at the end, he said, let me give you the secret. If you were to meditate for 20 years, This is where you'd finally get to. Just be yourself. But be all of you. Goldie Hawn. It's a great thing to get looked and recognized for something that you've done. But it's a moment in time. Living off of those accolades and making that become the sum total and the part of your importance in life, or even your purpose in life, defining who you are, Those awards are wonderful. They're never going to define who you are. I define myself by my ability to give. I define myself by my ability to understand. I define myself by my ethics and by my truth. These are the things that inform who I am, other than exterior moments that come and ebb and flow. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Jordan Peele. I remember reading this article as I was ending my show, and it was an article in Vanity Fair about Michael Jackson, and his friends were commenting saying he did Thriller and then spent the rest of his life chasing Thriller. And even though he sold 20 million albums from Bad or 40 million, whatever the number was, he was comparing everything in his life still to the end to Thriller. So how do you now avoid the trap of your first film, first directing, first written, becomes this phenomenon? Now that you mention it, (laughs) uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will continue to make mo the movies that I want to see. Yeah. First, if I want to see it, I have to have trust that other people will. And if they don't, I have to accept that that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. But for me, the biggest reward of all of this for me, besides this right here, has always <laughs> been, has always been the, the fact that I get to make another movie. Jimmy Kimmel. I've been at major crossroads on a number of occasions, and one of them was I was working at a radio station here in Los Angeles, K-Rock, and I was making a decent amount of money. I was, I was doing okay, not, not great. And I was offered a lot of money by another radio station to compete against the guys I worked with. And I went to my radio station, the boss, and I said, hey, listen, I'm being offered all this money to go against you guys. And he didn't care. <laughs> he, you know, he was just like, like well, uh, we can't pay you that much money. And I thought about it, and I decided that even though it was a life-changing amount of money for me, that I would not do it, and I just wouldn't feel right about it, competing against people I, I liked and who were my friends and who were my teammates. And I just decided to stay there. And then it wasn't three months later that I, I got a TV show. Jeff Weiner great success comes with even greater power and influence. So how do you handle the ego traps and the power traps that come with running a multi-billion dollar company? I mean, really? Yeah, you, you make sure you experience some failure. And uh, if that doesn't humble you, I don't know what is, mm -hmm. what's going to humble you. So when you have those kinds of experiences, you realize how at times fleeting success can be, at least traditional mm -hmm. measures of success. You realize to some extent how beyond your control it is mm -hmm. and you invest less in it in terms of the way you define yourself. Success in terms of achieving objectives, in terms of manifesting a mission, in terms of manifesting a vision, that's all good, especially if what you can do can create good in the world. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. But to the extent you start to define yourself through traditional measures of success, to the extent that's your source of self-esteem, you are destined to be unhappy because yeah. you cannot control it. It will be beyond your control. Trevor Noah. You've been to Soweto, you've seen how yes. we live there. You know, the weird thing is when, I always say to people, when you're poor, like being poor sucks, but being poor together makes it a lot better, right? Because you're in it together. It doesn't discount the fact that you don't have, but then you start to enjoy the things that you do have, and that is each other. And so we laughed, we enjoyed ourselves, we had something that sometimes you don't have when you have too much, and that is the ability to focus on the human beings around you. William Paul Young. One of the things I love that you say is that the opposite... Of more is enough. Of more is enough. <laughs> and we live in this world where we're just all looking for more and more and more and more, and we're looking for more things to fill us up and more things to make us whole. But the opposite of more is enough. Yes. When is enough enough? Yeah, well, that's the good question, isn't it? Yeah, that as is. As soon as you ask it, you're already thinking more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that really came to fruition in dealing with the loss of everything financial and all yes. that. When we lost everything, it was dealing you with... You lost everything because of what? Business oh, investments? Yeah, yeah. Of... And stupidity back in the day. I have all these men in my life that have really brought healing to, to my soul, right? Help rebuild the house on the inside. So I call them up and I say, look, I know you love us. 
Here's our financial situation. I know you love my family. You guys, you like to fix things. Please, please, don't rescue me from this. Don't rescue me from this? Yeah, don't. Because when you run into these issues where fear has such a dominant place, you're either gonna go to control or you're gonna go to trust. Yeah. Right? And my whole thing, my whole life has been about control, right? Because I couldn't trust. So when I run into these things, it's like, how do I let go of control here? And in this situation, it was, please don't rescue me from this because you're probably going to be interfering with what God is doing in my heart. City. So you let yourself fall? Yeah. You allowed yourself to fall. You allowed yourself I to I allowed to myself to fall into trust. And that's when we learned that the opposite of more is enough. Oh. I mean, some months we had... So those friends yeah. could have... I mean, most people would be... Two of them, three of them could have written a check and knocked us out of our situation. I was going to say, I mean, geez. I know. I know. But there comes a most point in Most people yeah. would have said, could you loan me the money? Could you give me the... the I, I promise know. this won't happen again if I you only know. would help me. And that is so profound because I'm the person who a lot of people come to. Can you help me out if you would only do this? And what I have learned is money never saves people. You're absolutely right. It only delays whatever was already waiting for yep. them because they have yep. created the situation based upon the way they've handled or managed their life. Yep. And just as you said, that's why it's such a big aha revelation that you knew it before. But yeah. I have blocked people from receiving whatever blessings they really needed to receive, yeah. whatever lessons they needed to learn by writing the check. Right because they think that money will give them the control that will conquer their fear. Oh my God, that is so, that is miraculously profound for me. And it was profound for us. Suddenly, joy dropped on us like a ton of bricks and we had nothing. Wow. Right? I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.